0: please, to Hebrews chapter 3. We are, again, going through the one another's and uh, how that works. Um, for my own life, again, I think it's been... Um, in, in some ways, the one another's are very simple and yet very hard to just make a lifestyle of. Very hard to make a lifestyle of. So today, we have exhort one another. And we have edify one another. We're, we're kind of throwing in two for one. I will not speak two 40-minute messages. I'll combine the two. In Hebrews chapter 3, starting in verse 7, it says this. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. So I swore my wrath. They shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be any. Of you, an evil heart of unbelief, beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you should be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Lord Jesus Christ, is another time where we need you to do a work. We pray that you would see fit that our hearts would be united in love towards you and towards each other, and that we would uh, listen to what your Spirit would have to say. Change us, we pray. Increase our faith. Be honored and glorified above all. In your name, amen. It's a topic that would seem pretty simple, encourage one another. I wanted to share a story of a young couple who were very much in love. They were getting... Married in the church, however, the bride was very nervous about the big occasion. So the preacher chose one verse that he felt would be a great encouragement to all of them. The verse was 1 John 4.18, which says, There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. The preacher asked the best man to read it during the ceremony. He did not know that the best man was not a regular churchgoer. And didn't really know the difference between the gospel of John and the letter first John. During the service, the best man introduced the reading by saying that it was the preacher felt this was a very good verse for the bride that he would say more about it later in the service and he read John 14, I mean John 4:18 instead of first John 4:18, which says, "The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband." The preacher wanted to encourage a couple, kind of went the wrong way. Listen, um, the idea of encouraging people, we can um, think we know how to do it, and and it's, like I said, a simple concept, and yet a lot of times we do come across the wrong way, right? We do come across the wrong way. I would like to um, not even necessarily focus so much on what it means to encourage, but really talk about when we need to encourage people, when we need to do it. To exhort simply means this, it's to call someone near, to invite them, to call to one side. So you know how these situations work, right? I was just in my uh, room this week, Uh, it was a very strange situation, I had a, I have four tables, students were sitting at the tables, one student sitting all by himself, I'm doing a group game, I said, hey buddy, why don't you join a table? I keep moving on in my talking to not single him out and I realize he's not moving. I say it again, and I try to, again, get the focus off the child and start talking about the activity we're going to do. The kid's not moving at all. Sixth grade. So uh, finally, I had to kind of look him right in the eye and say, uh, move your seat. And he didn't look at me. He said, uh, I don't want to. So now we had to play the game. So what I said is get out. And I kicked him out of my room in a very nice way. The reason I'm telling this is because instead of in front of everyone, I wanted to draw him close to me. So now that him and I could have a conversation, we would know this, right? When you want to exhort someone, it's the idea of bringing someone right near your side. It's not talking to him in front of everyone necessarily. We, If you can come up with this, I want to say you'll be a millionaire. I don't know who would pay you, but one of the biggest problems in church is how do you say can we go talk please it's the most awkward thing in the world you ever been on a sunday morning when someone says can i see you in the other room for a minute no matter what they're about to say you don't like it (laughs) if you can come up with the phrase that works by all means tell us we would love to know um we talked about it before like you know the principal says hey you need to stop by my office later Automatically sometimes you're like, oh, okay. But the idea of exhorting one is bringing them close next to your side so you can tell them something. And most of the time it's simply encouragement. You also do it to show that you have their back. If I was sitting there and my wife was standing here and there was someone else over here arguing with her. So now I'm a little like, whoa, who's, who's fighting my wife? And if I walk past my wife, and stand next to this person and go, hey, honey, what's going on? Automatically, I'm in trouble, correct? I've chosen the wrong person to stand next to. Body language actually means something. The idea of exhorting is bringing someone to your side. It shows, hey, I got your back. That's why I'm talking to you right now. If those things are not communicated, either in our words or in our body language, we're not exhorting correctly. We're not exhorting correctly. So again, I'm going to focus a little bit quickly on how do we exhort, but I don't want it to be the main point. I feel like a little bit like my class when we go over um, kitchen safety. I always say something like this. Listen, if you don't know that if you put your hand in boiling water, it will hurt, well, I don't really have anything to teach you. Like, don't put your hand in boiling water. When we go over kitchen safety, it's common sense. I don't have to tell you that when you run a knife over your finger, you'll bleed. I should not have to tell you that. But the reason we're talking about it is just to bring to our minds awareness so it's on our minds. So in some ways, I feel like that with this exhorting. Okay? I think we know how to encourage people. I think we know how to bring someone alongside and and speak to them in love, but... I was, um, sometimes we do it bad, sometimes we need a little reminder. Okay, turn to Acts chapter 26. One of the examples I love in this with scripture. How do you actually exhort someone? If you want to go and encourage them. If we're called to encourage one another, how do we do it? I think we've shared this before, but I think it's a good reminder. Make sure you know how to speak their language. Make sure you know how to speak their language. Acts 26 and verse 14. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. There's another portion of the book of Acts in Acts 22 where Paul's addressing the crowd and he learns to speak in their language. And it says they actually listen to him and they quiet down because they're hearing him in their language. Listen, if you're speaking in words that they don't get or they're not familiar with, the exhortation doesn't come out right. You've got to know how to talk to someone in their language. If you want to talk about practically... Again, we've talked about this. My kids always want me to talk about social media. Here's your shot from the pulpit. We would be foolish to think that social media and texting is going away any day soon. And if we want to relate to a world that's lost and to the next generation in the household of faith, we have to learn how to do it. I don't like it. I wish it wasn't like that. But you you better get on board. (laughs) Because there will be a people out there that that's what they use for language. And that's what we got to do. But I just love the fact that God here wanted to speak to this Jew of Jew. To the one who just tried to do everything by the law. He wanted to make sure he spoke to him in that language. And God records it for us for all eternity. What grace from God that he would do that for Saul. It also obviously must be done in love. In Ephesians chapter 4 in verse 15 and 16, it says this. Ephesians four fifteen and 16. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ from whom the whole body, joined and knit together, by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. There's another verse we'll look out later that says, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Things have to be done in love. People have to know that you love them before you're trying to say these encouraging things. Or it just comes across as almost flattery sometimes. I mean, you can try your best to really encourage someone. Sometimes I can do that. If it doesn't come across as loving, it can just be flattery. How do we actually do these things? Listen, just remember this. When we talk about doing things in love, just be yourself also. Um, I, I would tell you, I think I've shared this story before. One of the first summers, I went to Parkside Ranch. Um, uh, Brian's mom, Pat, um, wrote us a, a card at the end saying something like, hey, um, thanks for coming, thanks for serving, great job, whatever. Um, if I'm honest, because I spoke all week, I was a Bible preacher. I it really, I was like, okay, okay. For me, it wasn't um, not that it wasn't encouraging by any means. My point is, there was one line in the card that said, "Listen, I saw how you and Kim are doing your family, and you're doing good." And uh, that meant more to me. That meant a lot more to me than her telling me how I did speaking or anything like that. Because what she didn't also know was that that was one of the uh, the struggles for what I was going through. was like, hey, we got little kids. Do we really want to drag them up five hours away? Do we really like... I didn't want my kids to be those kids that were just like, hey, Dad's speaking and and almost get that bitterness towards the faith because he's dragging us around. And so in that God used that and that simple line to just build me up and encourage me in the face, say, hey, it's okay. I left that card uh in my van for uh years till the van broke down. Okay. <laughs> now I want to really talk about When to exhort. When do people need it? Obviously, we all need encouragement, right? But if we look here in Hebrews, this situation, the background, what they're quoting here, they're quoting a Psalm 95. The story is in Exodus. Exodus 15, the Israelites say hey we don't have any water and they start to complain when they're coming out of egypt in chapter 16 they say hey we don't have any food nor do we have water they start to complain and god gives them manna and god gives them um the birds on the field in chapter 17 they complain again about water and they say things like hey why don't we go back to egypt and all that stuff and that's where uh, moses strikes the rock and water flows and so again i want you to hear what happened and how God saw that thing there in, uh, we'll start in verse 7 of Hebrews chapter 3. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said they always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Remember, this is why um, God says, listen, that's it. You're not going to see the promised land. You're going to stay out here 40 years. The next generation will come in. Remember that God is slow to anger. So when we read things in verse 10, like I was angry with that generation, this is not a one-time shot. This is not God sitting there saying, hey, um, you know, you kind of messed up, so that's it. This was a perpetuating attitude of the Israelites who were just saved out of Egypt that they cannot come stop complaining. What about my food? What about my water? What about my food? What about my water? And God has been faithful and provided miracles since they've been complaining. Let me give you this water. Let me send down your manna. Let me, I will provide your need. I'll provide your need. But they said, the Bible says they keep testing him. What are they testing him? Can we really trust you? Can we really trust you, God? And that's actually what it's saying here. In Hebrews, where the next thing says, Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Okay, why do we need to exhort one another so bad? I feel like the church today sometimes has no problem accepting remedies but has big problems with the diagnosis no problems with remedies but a big problem with the diagnosis what do i mean by that we all would agree today encouragement is awesome exhort one another let's get on board let's do that why do we need it so bad no one wants the diagnosis because every one of us in this room is tempted to unbelieve and walk away from the faith that's why Now, you might sit there and say, no, I would never leave the faith, blah, blah. I'm not talking about throwing away Christianity overall. I'm talking about the simplicity of unbelief in your heart saying, I don't trust him in that area. That's why it says daily exhort. Daily. Because all of us are susceptible to times in our life, if not daily, of saying, I don't know if I can trust him. Do you agree with the diagnosis that the Bible says? Are you that different than an Israelite? I'm not. I'll tell you right now, I'm not. And so that's why it's so funny. I really, the message of encouragement really is supposed to be encouraging, but I want us to get to the diagnosis too. Guys, we need this. We are so susceptible to not trusting him. So susceptible. So when it says, I like this quote about the verse about unbelief there in um, 12, where he says, beware, like, hey guys, watch out. Lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. It said here, unbelief is not the inability to understand, but unwillingness to trust. It is the will, not the intelligence that is involved. I'm going to say it again. Unbelief is not inability to understand, but unwillingness to trust. It is the will not the intelligence that is involved. We know in the context of Hebrews, right, these were Jewish people who were being asked to leave Judaism. And again, super tough, super tough. You want me to leave all of this and and now do church. Very tough. But he's warning them, saying, guys, you're just like those who have gone on before you. Some of you have now accepted the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. You got saved. You came on board. And now you're being tempted to go back. It's very, very common. So that's why. Exhort one another daily. While it's called today. I'm not worried about tomorrow. I don't care about the past. Right here. Right now. Let's come alongside of each other. Today. And encourage one another in the faith. Why am I asking these things? Because it seems when someone is down, I find in my own life, it's almost weird to say the question of like, hey man, are you doubting God right now? And to say that in a loving way. Because once we say that, it's kind of like, oh, I can't admit that. I can't uh, slow down. Let's let's talk about some theological issue that I'd like to debate. And that's what I'm struggling with. When nine times out of 10, it's a hard issue. It's a hard issue. And we as exhorters have to be able to sit there and tell people, hey, I get it. No matter what you're going through, I've had times in my life where it's hard to trust him. But remember, he's trustworthy. Remember he is. I'm right here with you. You're right here by my side. I know what you're going through. I've been there too. I need you. You need me. Hey, let's remember the facts. He's trustworthy. Tell me a time when he did something in your life. Tell me a time where he proved his trustworthiness. I'll tell you my story. Hey, let's talk about it. That should be common themes in our talks, guys. There should be commonality. When you're tired and you're cranky and there's stress in your life, there should be commonality for us to go, hey man, how are you doing in the faith? You need some encouragement? Ah, let me share a verse with you. Let me show you what God's doing in my life. We've got to do this. Now I know that Jesus Christ is everything we need. I am not saying anything different. But I'm going to tell you how he set this up. He's the one that said, I also want the believers in the chapel to exhort one another. So I want to know, I want to ask the question, if we're told to encourage one another in the faith, because a lot of us can simply sit there and not trust Him at His word. If that's not happening, what does it look like? We are not encouraging one another to simply trust Him in our conversation, in our actions, in our giving, all those things. What does that look like in a church? What does that look like guys this ain't no simple as we've said before the one another's this isn't just a like a nice little hey that'd be nice if you get to exhort one someone this is a command we are called to come alongside each other and say hey I know it's a common thing between you and I there's times where we have a hard time trusting him how you doing how you doing It has to be done. Do you know it's so easy sometimes to make it in our hearts where we want to trust the system instead of the Lord. I've got to trust the system because it's something tangible, something I can see. i got to trust a certain type of church. I have to trust a certain type of doctrine. I, I cannot just trust the unseen God. I just want to get real with the diagnosis. I want to get real. All of us in here are susceptible to hardening our hearts and being tricked, that deceitfulness of sin. What is the sin? Not that we're going to indulge the flesh. The sin is sitting there saying, I just don't feel like trusting Him. I don't feel like it. My goodness, guys, we need to encourage one another. This world's getting crazy. We gotta encourage one another that we are believing the true God, that He's faithful, that His ways actually work. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter fourteen. We not only have to exhort one another because we might be tempted to have unbelief. But the diagnosis for this is that, hey, you're going to go through trials. Can't escape them. In Acts 14, verse 21, And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Do you want that diagnosis? Everyone wants the encouragement. Everyone wants to exhort one another. We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Now, I don't want to take it out of context, but there's other verses that would say, in this world, you will have trouble. (laughs) You're going to have trials. You're going to have trials. So, in that... We need to come alongside and simply encourage one another in the faith. Paul here was just stoned. Anyone remember, first of all, this has nothing to do with the message. I actually spoke on this and it's the PowerPoint I put up and I said Paul was stoned and everyone laughed for like five minutes. just want to let you know it's in my head. Okay, moving on. (laughs) Whenever I read this passage now, those are the thoughts that come into my head. But... Paul was left for dead. They dragged him out. They thought he was dead. And he comes back strong saying, hey, guys, strengthen the souls of the disciples. Hey, I almost lost my life. I got rocks thrown at me. Been through a lot of stuff. But hey, guys, I want to come along and strengthen you. I want to firm you up. Don't go down. Don't go down. Let's strengthen those weak knees. As it talks about, I believe in Hebrews. Hey, you can do this. Exhort one another to continue in the faith. I'm right here standing. I got stoned. I almost lost my life. I'm right here and we're going to preach the gospel today. Come along with me. And you see what the results were? They're appointing elders in every church and made many disciples. People are getting saved. Because someone sits there and goes through the trial and says, I still trust him. I want to talk to him. Talk to someone about it. Listen, if we had any kind of uh, um, practical application for this, who has the right to come alongside someone and encourage them in the faith? It's the one who's been through the trial. It is a lot easier to take an encouragement from someone who's been through the mess than someone who hasn't. If, if, if you have a sickness and, and, and a loved one is dying of, of a horrible disease like cancer or something, I, I can sit there and try to exhort you and, and love you and encourage you. And, and it's not that it's not worth anything, but sometimes you just like familiarity, right? It's nice to talk to the person who's been through it. Same language, same kind of deals. How, how did you? How did you deal with it, guys? we are called to exhort one another through our trials because we're getting put through the ringer. And so I want to hear about your stories. I want to hear what it was like in your different stages of life when you struggled and you went through the trial, when you had no money and Lord provided, when you had a lot and you were... Tempted to go be prideful and you forgot the Lord. I want to know through the trial what happened, how you came out on top. And if you didn't come out on top, I want to hear about it. because Maybe even in your encouragement, you could have said to me, I wish I did it different. I wish I did it different. We have got to be those who are okay with sharing our stories. I think I've sure shared this story again. Uh, and I love the story. If you knew the guy, again, uh, a solid believer. One who knows the word very much. Um, strong in his convictions. Um, a, a leader, a preacher, all those things. He was telling me, again, one night where his mother, he did not feel was saved. And when she died, he wanted to walk away from the faith right there. He said, because I knew if I really believed the gospel... I don't think my mom's in heaven and I can't deal with it. So I'm going to walk away. And I'm looking at him going, there's no way you would struggle with that. I know who you are. I mean, like, you you know scripture. You're in leadership things. There's no way. There's no way you're going to go through that. But I'll tell you this. He told me the story later of how someone ministered to him and encouraged him and said, listen, Jesus Christ will do everything, everything he can to have your mother accept him until the very end. So be, you know, you just don't know. You just don't know. But the point of all of that is that story did not make me at all want to leave the faith. It made me want to join up more. It made me want to go fine. Then I'll go to battle with you. Fine. I see that wow, that's that's reality. That's your faith working out. That's not playing a game. Your mom, who you love, died. you got real things going in your mind. What if I really believe this? That encourages me. Someone is living it out. Someone is wrestling with it, and they were thinking about it, and God held on to them, and they're still going on for the Lord now. Encourage one another with your trials. Encourage one another. You might be the one that has the words that God is using to help that person say, let me get on board. That's why we need to exhort one another. We have trials. we got to tell each other. By the way, I will say this. It's not really a sidebar. I just love the story. As I was looking through this, there are certain things in our life that God puts that are just... uh, A a, a thing that God has called you to that might be a big trial in your life. And God has put that on you. It's your calling. We need to encourage one another in it. But this was an encouraging story for everyone remembers William uh, Wilberforce. He's the one that basically spent his whole life trying to end slavery in England. And John Wesley, they say, who is a writer of Amazing Grace, remember that whole thing, wrote this following letter to him on his deathbed. Unless the divine power has raised you up, I don't see how you can go through your glorious enterprise in opposing that abominable practice of slavery, which is the scandal of religion of England and of human nature. Unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you will be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. But if God be for you, who can be against you? Are all of them together stronger than God? Go on in the name of God and in the power of his might. What an amazing thing to write to a dude like that. Because I tell you, in my own in my own life, I do struggle with sometimes these trials. When you look around, you say you really do sit there and say, There's no way things will change. And yet I'm realizing that guys like William Wilberforce are sitting there. How in the world do you get enough? influence power whatever you want to call it to where you can actually get a country to outlaw slavery it will change them economically it will i mean i mean that's big time stuff and yet i'm reminded over and over again that's why we're called to encourage one another because god has callings like that in our lives and god has raised up certain people to make worldwide differences and so instead of us just going, ah, you tried your best, let's get on board and encourage them through it. If God has a hard calling on your life, I'm sorry, but I don't want you to back down. Because if God's called you, that must mean there's a purpose. That must mean there's a reason to further His kingdom. And you need to do your calling. And I want to help you through it. I want to encourage you and do whatever you've got to do so that the world can change and God can be glorified. We've got to encourage one another we got to encourage one another. Turn to Romans chapter 14. Now we're going to go to edify. Edify is not the same word. It really means to build up. Okay? So come alongside and exhort, encourage, and um, say those things. Edify is to build someone up. Okay? Let's start in verse 14. I know and I'm convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one with whom Christ died, the one for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make peace and the things by which one may edify one another. We are to pursue the things which make peace and the things that build each other up. This is a hard context, right? In the other words, they're sitting there saying, hey, can I eat this meat? Can I not eat this meat? It was offered to idols. It's kind of weird. You had weaker brothers, uh, stronger brothers, all those such things. It can kind of be like a, 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 a conversation we would have today. You know, there's hard things to, quote, I don't even like to use the word debate, but there is godly people on both sides of issues in the faith. And they a lot of study and a lot of all that stuff. And you can kind of say, okay, is this right or is this wrong? But that's why we have passages like this that say, hey, let us pursue those things which go for peace and those things which will build each other up. It does not mean we back down on God's truth at all. But the goal of those things is to be building one another up in the conversation. Building one another up in the conversation. Okay? This is where in 1 Corinthians 8 verse 1... It says, now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up or edifies. Okay, love builds up. We have to build one another up to stay the task and focus on the common goal. We're trying to build one another up in the faith. We are not trying to build one another up to be... Thinking just like we are. Let God do that. And in fact, there's numerous times where really someone's personality and or uh, the way they love them will actually sometimes allow them to get on board with what that person's saying. What are we trying to build? There in verse 17 it says this, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We're trying to build into the kingdom. The diagnosis for this one will be this. It is ten times easier to focus on eating and drinking than to actually focus on the kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It is ten hundred thousand times easier for us as believers to worry about who's eating and drinking what in the kingdom than to worry about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness is to be made right with God. Which, by the way, that goes into that whole piece of that's why we don't back away from sin. What is righteous? How do we be made right with God? That's where those conversations come into play. And there's a real thing there of, in this context, there like, hey, is this a sin or not? Okay, that's why you're going to have verses that sit there and say, listen, I'm convinced nothing's unclean of itself. But, so we kind of establish it wouldn't be a sin. However, now you're dealing with people. And now you're dealing with people that think it might be. Okay, So we are worried about what is righteousness in the kingdom of God, but also peace with our brothers and sisters. If we're really concerned about them, that conversation is different instead of trying to be right on a topic. Again, we want to be concerned about having peace with them and joy in the Holy Spirit, joy in ourselves over the fact that God indwells in us. We shouldn't forget those things when we get frustrated with the church or the people in the church. That the Holy Spirit of God is living inside of you. And if they're a believer, the Holy Spirit of God is living inside of them. And that right there is a joyous thing. That God has decided to dwell among us. He's decided to dwell in you. And I'm glad He doesn't leave if I'm wrong. I don't have to worry about taking out your Holy Spirit from me. He's there now forever. And so that person across the way, and when we get into some of these things of trying to stay on task, maybe some people just want to rebel. Maybe they just want to walk away from the faith. Maybe they're bothering you and they are totally wrong and you are totally right. But do we worry about them as the believer having peace with them, saying, hey man, come on, what about your trust in the Lord? I care about your relationship with the Lord. I care about our relationship." It's very hard to really make it personal. Instead, we like to focus on the meat and the drinking. Let's make it personal. How's your walk? How's it going? When Barnabas, the great encourager, was sent to that church in Jerusalem, it says in Acts, when he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord, with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. That's in Acts 11, 22-24. The great encourager Barnabas is sent by the church to another church. Okay? They sent him to Antioch. And the first thing he wants to see is not, wow, why aren't these people Jewish and circumcised, and, and what's going on? He sees the grace of Of God and what God has done. Wow, these people are saved. These people are saved. Listen, I don't want to almost say it because I'm not living it out. But I want to be encouraged from the very fact that God saved you. I want that to mean something in my life. That regardless of how you act, regardless of how crazy you are. God has saved you. And in that, you're my brother, you're my sister. And that should be on the forefront of my mind. By the grace of God. Because he saved me too. I'm glad we're on the same team. I'm glad. He saw the grace of God. He was glad and he encouraged them to remain true to what? To the Lord. (laughs) Remain true to the Lord. Remain true to the Lord. That's where the conversation needs to be pointed towards. That's why we need to edify and build one another up. Because the diagnosis is, there's so many times where we make the walk about everything but the Lord. Make it about the Lord. Build one another up in the Lord. Talk to each other about how he loves you, how he cares for you, how he's forgiving, how he's slow to anger. Talk to each other about how good he is to you. Talk to each other how he's so faithful. Talk about it. Build one another up in the Lord. Encouraging is something we all need. All of us need it. You know, it's so funny. In a staff meeting, they always say something like, you're doing so good. We want to do something for you. Every person in that room goes, then let us out early. I was not going to go by the clock today, but I'm glad it's five after. I feel like the Lord might have done it. I don't know. We still have a reveal, so we're going to be here. But, listen, encourage one another. We desperately need to be encouraged. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you so much that uh, you don't break down. Thank you uh, for giving us a great calling that we are to... Come alongside of each other and edify and exhort one another. Help us so uh, much to do this. Help us to have wisdom uh, to say the right things. Help us to have good timing when we approach people. In your name, amen.